Hey, good morning, Bridge Church. Thank you for joining us this Memorial Sunday for Church Online. Psalm 8-2 says, praise silences the foe in the avenger. Let's lift up our praises together this morning. God, we praise you in this place. We thank you for all that you've done, God.
Jesus, this morning. Fill us with your peace. Let us feel your presence as we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. The table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. There's a
Psalm 23 and verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I'm so encouraged, church, this morning that our God is a mighty God. He is a miracle-working God. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God who has never failed and he never changes. And I love that this psalm says that his goodness and his love follows us. That God, that amazing miracle-working God who's never failed, that God's love and goodness follows us. His goodness. That means that he has good in store for you. He has good in store for me. So you know what that means? If it ain't good, it ain't over. If it ain't good, then the story's not done. If it ain't good, then there's more to come. In Jesus' name. So God, this morning, we look to you. And God, our faith is so lifted up and encouraged, knowing that you are mighty, that you are strong, that you are the God of the impossible, that you are the God who has never failed and never changes. And we just believe in Jesus' name that you are working on our behalf. We believe in Jesus' name that your goodness and your love follows us all the days of our lives. And knowing that, God, this morning, we are encouraged and our faith is so, so encouraged. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right there in your living room, in your dining room, in your backyard, it's your home. Worship God right there. He's so worthy. Amen. Well, church, we are so excited that you chose to join us this morning, that you took time out of your day to join us this morning. We have a great morning planned for you. Let's watch church news together. Hey Bridge family, we are so glad that you are joining us today for Church Online. Before we get into the message, we want to let you know about all the ways that you can stay connected with us. Here's a look at what's going on over the next few days at the Bridge. Make sure to make your plans to jump online and be with us. Right now is the time to get your kids all set up for their Bridge Kids online service. Just go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv slash kids. There, your kids can watch the service and access the downloadable activities designed just for them. You can also find it by going to the Bridge Kids Facebook page. We are excited to keep your kids connected with God and their church family.
If you or someone you know is in need of assistance with food during this unusual season, our community care program will continue to distribute food every Sunday at 11 a.m. We want to do our best to help people who might be in need right here in the Temecula Valley. So be sure to tell your friends or family members who are needing assistance at this time. We also want to take a moment and say thank you to our amazing community care team who make distribution happen every week. You have been so selfless and flexible during a challenging season, and we are grateful for your hearts to serve others. Together, we are making a difference here in the Temecula Valley. Hey church family, we want to update you for this summer, our Bridge Kids Day Camp has moved towards an online virtual experience. And at this time, we're working out all the details towards this summer program. And we'll be sending out some more information just as soon as we can. So, in the meantime, mark your calendars for July 6th through the 9th. And soon, we'll let you know how you can register your kids for this exciting event we're calling Fast Forward. Because we want kids to reach forward and discover that God has great things ahead for us all. If you want to stay connected and informed, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is the easiest way to stay up to date on what's happening, as well as see our devotionals throughout the week. You can also stay informed by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. For more general info, log on to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. If you are joining us for the first time and want to find out more about the church and how you can get connected, we invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you will find a digital Connect card where we can help you get plugged in. Just take a moment to fill it out and we will be happy to connect with you. Thanks again for joining us today. Let's get into God's Word. And yes, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. This is the time of year when we as a nation pause to be grateful and remember those who have paid the ultimate price, who've laid down their lives for the freedoms that we have and for the freedoms of others around the world. And this weekend, I would encourage you to, to really do two things. Number one, stop and remember what this is about and stop and honor those who've laid down their lives for us and for our freedoms. And then number two, let's not forget the responsibility that's been passed on to us to defend our freedoms, 
to stand up for what's right. And even in a, in a season when a lot of us feel that maybe our liberties are being threatened, this is a time for us to ask God, what would you have us do day by day as we walk with you? We're so grateful for the nation in which we live. I, I've been to a lot of countries around the world. There's no better place to live than the United States of America. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our leaders today. And let's stand up for what's rightfully ours. Now, if we could, I want to get into God's word. And I want to say thank you so much for joining us today for Bridge Church Online. Thank you for letting your house become God's house Let's pray together and let's ask God to prepare our hearts to hear his word today. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you that you are our God and regardless of what's happening around us, it doesn't change you. It doesn't change your word. It doesn't change our promises that, that you've given us. It simply calls for us to look to you and trust you more than ever before. So I pray today that you would encourage us, you would speak faith into our hearts and help us remember that you do not lie, you honor your word, and we can trust you, believe you, and you will perform your promises in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to continue in our series, Extraordinary. What does God want from us? What is God asking of us in this unusual season? What kind of people does God want us to be? See, I believe God asks us, even now, to rise up and live extraordinary lives and be extraordinary people, a sign, a light to everyone around us. Somebody needs to lead society today, and I believe it needs to be the church, the people of God. But in order to become extraordinary and live an extraordinary life, I have to be a person of faith. I have to learn to think the way God thinks. I have to learn his word so I understand how God wants me to think and also know what God has promised to do in, our, in my life and in all of our lives. But I believe God also demands that extraordinary people be people of great faith. I want to be a man of great faith. I want to be a person who follows God wholeheartedly. We talk about it a lot here at the bridge. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants us to believe that he exists, his word is true, and that he honors those and blesses those who wrap their hearts around his promises. God wants us to be people of faith. I got to tell you today, what I'm preaching to you is, really important to me. My entire life from the time I was, I guess, 19 years of age, it's, it's been a journey, a journey of faith. From 19 years of age to this day and counting, and it continues, my life is a journey of faith. Encountering situations, seeing what God says, and then learning to believe God. You see, the journey of faith is a learning process. We're always learning more about faith and learning how to walk out our faith. In different seasons, we learn to respond to what God asks of us and demands of us. You know, each day of our lives is filled with challenges and choices. And I, I'm going to choose to face each challenge with either faith or unbelief. 
I make that choice every day when I face every challenge. And faith is only released in my life by the promises of God. In other words, the only reason for me to have any faith is because God has made promises. And God's word, when I accept it and embrace it, it releases faith in my life and encourages me and strengthens me to follow him. Today, I want to look at a story from the Old Testament, a story from the journeys of Israel in the wilderness. In my early ministry, when I really truly began my journey of faith, one of the greatest stories that I learned from in Scripture was found in Numbers 13 and 14. And we're going to look at parts of Numbers 13 and 14 today. You might want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, although we will have the verses on the screen. But I would encourage you today, the next few days, take the time to slowly read through Numbers 13 and 14 and look at this story with all of its detail. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that what happened to Israel in the Old Testament was recorded so that we who are New Testament believers who have faith in Christ, we could learn from their lives. They would be examples to us and they would be encouragement and direction to us. I'm going to tell you, I read the Old Testament and I read the, the New Testament. And I learned from the Old Testament and I learned how to apply those principles in New Testament living. But I think the story that has gripped my heart for many, many years now through pretty much all of my journey has been the story of Israel in the book of Exodus from the time they leave Egypt until the time they go in and possess the promised land. Because really it's an Old Testament story. It's an Old Testament discipleship course that if you understand the types and the shadows of what's going on, it really helps us understand the life that God wants to give to us today. It begins in Egypt, the land of sin and bondage. And then it ends up in the promised land, a place where people are walking by faith, going forth, doing great exploits in the name of God, overtaking and possessing everything that God has promised to them. And there's a lot of things that happen in between, which I don't have time to get into today. But I want to focus really on one small section of this story out of Numbers 13 and 14. And I want to look at two extraordinary men, and I want to look at what happened in their lives and what happened in the nation of Israel. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about this, but evidently hundreds of thousands, maybe a few million people left Egypt on this journey. The nation of Israel, a lot of people, maybe a few million people, they left the land of bondage in Egypt. They left the life of slavery, the only life they'd ever known, and they started a journey to a promised land that God had promised to their forefathers. But out of those hundreds of thousands, maybe a few million people, only two men went from the land of bondage all the way to the promised land. Think about that. Only two out of a few million made it all the way to the end of the journey. When I think about that, my question is, well, how did they make it? How did they get there? We're going to look at this story today and try to understand 
how these men became so extraordinary. How they stood out from the crowd. How they were different from everyone else. And they went in and possessed the things that God had promised them. They lived long lives, longer than anyone else, to go in and be leaders in their day. How did that happen? Well, let me set it up for you. God led the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage, started them on the journey to the promised land. He worked miracle after miracle after miracle to prove his nature and his love and his power in their lives. And then God brought them to a place where he said, now, I've done all of this for you. It's time for you to believe me and take some steps of faith. If you go back and study it, every time there was a problem, Israel grumbled and complained. God said, it's time to stop grumbling and complaining, and it's time to start believing me and going forward in faith. It's a place called Kadesh Barnea in Scripture. Very, very important story. And God told Moses, I want you to choose out men to go in and inspect the land. Go in and literally check it out. I want you to have your first glimpse of the promised land. So Moses chose 12 leaders, a man from every tribe in Israel who was highly respected as a leader, called them together and sent these 12 men into the land to check out the land. Some scriptures, some translations call them spies. Other words are used in other translations. But here's what I want you to see. Moses called these 12 leaders together And he gave them very simple instructions. He said, for the next 40 days, I want you to go in and check out the land. We left Egypt. This is our destination. This is what God's going to give to us. But you are the first ones to get to go in and see it for yourself. So here's what Moses said to them. First of all, I want to know about the people. Are they strong people? Are there many people or are they weak and are there only a few people? Second of all, Moses said, I want to know about the land. Is it productive? Is it a rich land or is it barren and dry? Tell me about the condition. Is it rich or poor? Are there forests there? Tell me what the land is like. Third of all, he said, tell me about the cities. Are they camps? Are there tents? Or do the people live in strong fortresses? Come back and tell me about the people, the land, and the cities. Then finally Moses gave them two more simple instructions. One was, be courageous. Be courageous. Don't be afraid to go in and see what God has promised to us. Don't be afraid to inspect it all, to go in and find out for yourself what the promised land is all about. And the last thing he said was, and when you come home, bring us some samples of the land. We want to see it. We want to see some of the fruit of the land so we can know what to expect. It's interesting, when Moses gave them instructions, he didn't say, go in and check out the land and then come back and give me your opinions. He said, just go in and come back and tell me what it's like. We don't need people's opinions because God has given it to us. All we're going to do is just get a taste of the land so we can encourage the people to go in and possess it together. So he sends in the 12 spies. The 12 spies, after 40 days, return. We begin to read now in Deuteronomy 13. 
Let's start at verse number 27. And the spies, they told Moses and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. The land flows with milk and honey, and here are samples of what's there. The clusters of grapes and pomegranates were so great that they had to put a staff between their shoulders, and the, men's, the men would carry these fruits on those staffs. It was unbelievable, the abundance that was there in the land. And they used the expression that God had been saying all along. He said, it's a land where milk and honey flows. You know, I, I grew up in church, and I used to hear preachers talk about the land of milk and honey. And I, I, I always had a hard time getting my head around that. I'm, I'm not real visual. I'm not the guy who, who has a big imagination in, in all areas of life. I never could understand. I couldn't picture how milk would flow and how honey would flow. Had a hard time seeing how it got out of the cows or the goats or the sheep and how, how it just flowed like rivers through the land and how there were so many beehives that the honey just flowed. It was an expression of the day that simply said, it's a land of abundance. So these guys said, yeah, it's a, it's a land of abundance. Now let's go on, verse 28. Nevertheless, 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 the people who dwell on the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The descendants of Anak are giants. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, the first part of this report, I want you to notice two things. Two things that the spies said. Number one, it's just like God promised. It's a land of abundance. It's everything you could ever hope for. It's the only kind of life you would ever want. Everything you ever wanted out of life, it's there in the promised land. God told the truth about the land. I want to ask you a question today. Has God ever lied to us? Can we believe everything God has said and does say to us? God doesn't lie. God's word is the truth. He's the man of his word. God, a man of his word. God cannot lie. And so they walked into the land. They came back and said, yeah, it's just like God said. It's, it's amazing there in the land. It's the most unbelievable place you could ever imagine. And you know, what happens in our lives is when we open up God's word, we begin to read. When we spend time praying and we take the time to meditate and listen to God, God speaks his promises into our heart. And it's as if God's allowing us as we read his word and listen to his voice. It's as if God is saying, here, let me take you and let, I want to let you spy out the land. I want to give you a glimpse of what I have for you. Every time I read one of God's promises, every time I sit down and see those things, sometimes they jump off the page and it's God saying to me, here, spy out the land, see what's ahead of you, because I'm going to do these things in your life. This is my will, this is my purpose for you, to bless you and to lead you into a better life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life that you might have it more abundantly, that you might experience all of life. But that life is only lived out as we hear God's promises and then we follow him in faith and pursue the fulfillment 
of those promises. So my faith matters. Your faith matters. But let's go on. First they said, man, just like God said, the land of promise is amazing. But, and the word they used was the word nevertheless. It means but or stop, stop. You see, evidently when these guys began to speak about how amazing the land was, the people began to get a little bit excited. Whoa, some of you right now are getting a little bit excited to realize God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. But right on the heels of God's news, somebody around you is going to stop and say, but wait, wait, nevertheless, wait. As soon as somebody says that, a war begins to break out inside of us. Am I going to believe God or am I going to believe the challenges to God's word? They said, wait, stop. There's some problems awaiting us. And here's what they said. The land is already inhabited. The land is already inhabited. Do you know why the land was inhabited? It's because God had people there, ungodly people, who were planting crops, who were planting vineyards, who were planting orchards, who were clearing the land, preparing for harvests to come. God was about to put the, the, the people of Israel in a nation, in a land, and make them a people that was already set up for them to just go in and start enjoying the fruit and the abundance of the land. That's why it was inhabited. God was preparing it for them. But these guys saw this as a problem and an obstacle. And then the next thing they said was, not only that, some of the people were giants. Some of the people are big, big people. It's interesting. Whenever... Wherever we get a promise from God, the enemy is always going to bring some kind of opposition to it. If there's no opposition, he'll at least try to poison our minds to make us think there's going to be opposition. And then when we begin to pursue God's promises and this opposition arises, immediately we begin to hear voices around us. And there are two kinds of voices you're basically going to hear. The voice of faith and the voice of unbelief. Let's look here. Go on to verse number 30. I want to look at the first voice that speaks up here. It's a guy named Caleb. Caleb was one of the two guys, along with Joshua, who we'll get to in a few minutes, one of the two men who went all the way from the land of bondage all the way into possessing the land of promise. Out of a few million people, he was one of the two guys who made the entire journey. And when this situation arises, and they say, just like God said, the, man is, the, the land is amazing, but there's problems and challenges along the way, Caleb's the first one to speak up. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. First thing he did was he quieted the people. I mean, when they first started saying, boy, it, the land is a land of milk and honey, the people got excited. And then when they began to say, oh, but there's problems there, the, it's already inhabited, there are giants there, then their hearts began to sink and they got all upset. All this noise is going on. And the first thing that happened was Caleb quieted the people. It's amazing how quickly most of us 
respond to bad news. The voice of faith always speaks quietness and peace. A voice of faith always speaks something that will settle the situation. A voice of faith will settle our emotions. A voice of faith will quiet our hearts. Even when everything else is screaming and yelling, faith causes things to settle and get quiet and become clear. Caleb was a voice of faith. But the voice of faith will also, at that moment of quietness, when everybody settles down, it will also speak direction. Because the next thing that Caleb said was, let's go up right now and let's take the land. We can do this. We can possess it. It is ours. Let's go take it. God's given it to us. I think when we as believers face challenges, that God always sends a voice of faith to encourage us to move forward. For some of you today, you're facing something brand new. Something's happened yesterday, today. You just got news and your emotions are involved and you're trying to sort this out. Number one, let things settle down. God's made promises for your situation. I want to be a voice of faith to you today. To encourage you to go forward and see God do something amazing in your life today. Because God wants us to be extraordinary and live extraordinary lives. Caleb said, we can do it. Let's go forward with God. Let's go for it. But then next comes the voices of doubt and unbelief. Now get, it, get this. Ten of twelve spies. Ten... Ten of the twelve men who went in to check out the land for 40 days, ten out of twelve, they begin to speak up in unison. And here's what they say. Look at verse number 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Pause a minute. If there are inhabitants there, why are they not all devoured? If the land devours them, how are all these great fortresses existing? How is there so much plenty in this land? How is there so much abundance there if the land devours them? Doesn't make any sense. Give him a bad report. Goes on to say, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. That wasn't true. They only saw some giants in the land. Not everybody was a giant. But yet when they start speaking their doubt, everything is huge. Next, verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Ten out of twelve. Can I tell you something? Most of the voices in our society today, probably 10 out of 12, are negative. They're speaking doubt, unbelief, fear. They're speaking death. They're encouraging us to go hide in a cave and just hope we can live through this season. 
I'm going to tell you something. If you're a child of God, you don't have to accept that bad report. If you're a child of God, God has good news for you today. We don't have to listen to everything that the news media is telling us and all the end result that people are saying because God has given us a more sure word of prophecy. God has better plans for our lives and our families and our future. And we need to listen to what God is saying. 10 out of 12 spies, negative. All they can see are the impossibilities. The spies said, the enemy is stronger. We can't defeat them. The enemy is stronger. We can't defeat them. What they said was, God said the land flows of milk and honey. He trolled the truth. But if you think we can go in and possess it, you're crazy. God is not that strong. Which voice are you going to listen to today? The voice of unbelief is always negative. They bring a bad report. If you look at the original writing here in Scripture, when it says bad report, some translations say an evil report. That expression, an evil report, literally means slander. They slandered God. Oh, yeah, he made a promise. He dangled this out in front of us. He got us out of Egypt, but he brought us out here to die in the wilderness. All he did was hang this in front of us. God can't do this. They slandered God's ability to fulfill his promise. That's what unbelief is. When we don't believe God's promises, we're slandering God's name and God's voice. The voice of unbelief tends to exaggerate everything. Oh, the land just devours inhabitants. You don't want to live there anyway. Oh, and not only that, everybody in the land's a giant. Voice of unbelief exaggerates it all. Voice of unbelief always, always overestimates the enemy and always underestimates the power of God. And then finally, the voice of unbelief poisons the way we see ourselves. You know who we are? We are the children of God. We are heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus. Scripture says, we're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. God has prepared us to do great things in our lives and fulfill all of his promises in our lives. But these guys went and looked at the land and they came back and they said, when we looked at them, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers, as insects. And then they saw us as insects. I'm going to tell you something. That's not true. The enemy does not see us as insects, as grasshoppers. But we oftentimes convince ourselves that that's all we are. We have no say in the matter. We're just there to be trampled underfoot of the enemy. What you believe about God, what you believe about his promises, what you believe about the future, what you do with the promises in his word, it causes you to see yourself as a child of God or as a mere victim of circumstances. It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Unbelief causes us to forget or ignore God's promises. And unbelief causes us to forget who it is that's fighting for us. I'm going to tell you something. The word of God is true. If God is for us, who can be against us?
Or as I like to say, if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. If God has made a promise, nothing can keep him from fulfilling that promise except my unwillingness to believe him and move forward with him. Nothing can stop the powerful hand of God except my unbelief. Now let's, let's move forward. Let's move into Numbers 14. Move to the latter part of my message. Verse 1. I want to look at the influence of unbelief. What does unbelief do to us? Verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Unbelief has horrible negative influences, not only on our faith, but on our futures, but on our hearts, our lives, our emotions. Unbelief causes my emotions to sink, to become depressed, to accept fear and have no hope. Just have hopelessness for this day and for my future. Unbelief causes me to complain and oppose others, argue with people. Unbelief causes me to take on the attitude of a victim rather than a victorious believer. Unbelief causes me to regret that I ever started the journey following God. Well, I wish I'd never left sin. I wish I'd never left bondage. And not only that, unbelief causes me to begin to resent God. Causes me to ask a million questions as if God doesn't have the answer. And ultimately, unbelief causes me to go back to a life of slavery and hopelessness. Be careful of allowing room in your life for unbelief. Push it out with the promises of God's word. Believe God's promises that he's made to you. And finally, verse number six, Numbers 14, verse six. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Now, get to stop here in just a moment. We have, first of all, Caleb speaking up. He's the first voice of faith. And then there's all those voices of unbelief and all that they have to say. But one more time, one more time, the voice of faith speaks again. See, the beauty of God is, even when we're struggling, he sends voices of faith our way to encourage us to trust him and move forward. He's a patient God. And so these two guys, first it was Caleb and now the, the other guy, Joshua, the other man who made it all the way from sin's bondage, Egypt's bondage, all the way into a life of blessing in the land of abundance. Joshua and Caleb, these two guys, they begin to speak up in unison. They rip their clothes, which in that day was a sign of total disgust and, and, and total debasement. Reaching a place where you, you got to listen to me. I'm ripping my clothes. Listen to what I got to say. I'm humbling myself. Please hear me. Verse 7. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good 
land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. And finally, look at verse 9. And do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said, Stone those two guys with stones. Interesting story. Even when we're struggling, one more time, God will send a voice of faith our way and give us an opportunity to turn our hearts to believe him. God's promises are true. The abundance is just ahead. The fulfillment of the promise is right in front of us. Keep following him. The voice of faith also warns us. You need to hear me today. Unbelief is not just slander, it's rebellion against God. It's me saying God's not telling the truth. God lies. God can't do for me what he said he would do. Unbelief is my enemy. Unbelief demands that I give up on God's plan and I accept less. I accept the limitations that the enemy wants to put on my life. I abandon God's plan and I accept the enemy's plan. That's what unbelief does to us. But faith, faith sees beyond the, the enemy. Faith sees beyond the battle, beyond the opposition. And faith sees the victory and the fruit of victory that lies on the other side. See, Joshua, Caleb said, hey, hey, guys, yeah, it's a land of milk and honey, just like God said. And yeah, it's inhabited. But if we'll follow God, he'll be pleased with us. And he'll take us in and he'll push the enemy out of the land. And he'll give us that land. And they understood there's orchards, there's vineyards. All this abundance is there because those who live there have set it up for us. They are bread for us. They have set us up for the future. Let's follow God and go in and take what is rightfully ours. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. I mentioned earlier, God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. God has set up your future, but he's waiting on you to rise up and say, I believe you, God, and then follow him wholeheartedly into the whole land of promise, all that he's guaranteed you if you'd walk with him. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. But how does doubt respond to faith? Kill it. What did the people do? They rose up and said, stone those two. We don't want to hear the voice of faith. Doubt wants to kill the voice of faith. You know, through the years, there have been some faith guys who've said some pretty crazy stuff. I'll be the first to admit. I'll be the first to tell you. There have been some people who've taken faith in some wrong directions that didn't necessarily line up with the word of God. But when we abandon the voice of God and the promises of God because of somebody crazy back in our past, we give up on the future God's promised us and we accept the enemy's plans. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. Listen to him. Wrap your heart around the promises and go for it. We must all choose between voices of faith or voices of unbelief. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to follow? 
In closing today, I want to show you one last little thing out of Joshua chapter 2. And I know I've taken a lot of time. I'm almost finished, so please stay with me. It's so important you see this. In Joshua chapter 2, they've now sent a couple of spies into the land to spy out the land. Forty years have passed. A whole generation is dead. The only people who remain of the slaves that came out of Egypt are Joshua and Caleb. Now God calls Joshua to go in and possess the land. They send in some spies to check it out. And they end up being hidden in a city called Jericho in the house of a harlot by the name of Rahab. A woman who later on would be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And she takes these spies in and she hides them and protects them from the authorities and the army of Jericho. She has a conversation with them. Keep in mind, this is 40 years later. When these first spies went into the land and said, we can't take the land. We cannot do it. The people are greater than we are. The land devours it. It's all giants. We can't do it. What was really happening in Jericho? What was really happening in the promised land? 40 years later, I want to show you what the enemy was thinking. Verse number 8, Joshua 2. Before the spies laid down to rest, Rahab came up to them on the roof. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land, notice all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We know what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. In verse 11, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. If I can put it in today's language, what Rahab said was, Where have you people been for 40 years? This land was yours 40 years ago. We knew it. We'd been terrorized by you sitting on the other side of the river. Where have you been? Why didn't you come in and possess the land sooner? Some of us get to the end of our lives and we think, well, I guess that just wasn't God's will. No, some of us just gave up on God's promises. Well, I thought it was going to be a great life, but... I didn't get to enter into that great life. If that's the case, it's because we didn't follow God completely. At Kadesh Barnea, ten men thought like slaves, and their voices poisoned, destroyed an entire generation. The shame and the reproach of slavery rested on Israel until Joshua chapter 5, where they finally went in to possess the land. And then God says, now, I take the shame and the reproach of slavery off of you this day. God could take slaves out of Egypt's bondage, but he couldn't take Egypt's bondage out of slaves. They had to choose that for themselves. 
know, the end of Joshua and Caleb. Joshua became the leader who led the people in to possess the promised land. Caleb ended up going in, killing a lot of giants and taking the most choice part of the promised land, the part he wanted most for himself. There's a lot to his life that I don't have time to get into today. These two men lived extraordinary lives because they believed God. From time to time in our spiritual lives, we face those Kadesh Barnea moments, situations when we have to decide, will I rise up and possess all of God's promises or will I shrink and give up on some of the life that God's blessed me, God's promised to me? Now, I'm absolutely passionate about the message of faith. I've been in church my whole life and I've seen people abandon their faith, never recover. I've seen people poison their own futures because they wouldn't believe God. I've seen people start the journey and give up. And I promise you, the life at the end was nowhere near the life they could have had had they continued to follow God. But I've also seen people choose to believe God and all of his promises and live a life. Life, it's a journey day by day into a land of new promise seeing God do great things in their lives. Deuteronomy 30, 19 sums this up. This is what God said. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. God says, therefore, choose life. God speaking to your heart today. Choose to believe God. Choose life. Let me pray with you. Father, today we've listened to your word and, I, and I've talked longer than I intended, but you're speaking to people about where they are right now. There are people listening to this who have no idea what the future holds. Some of them have already given up on the future because of situations, because of decisions that have been made for us by other people. But Father, now we turn our faith to you and we listen to hear what your word says. We listen for your voice to speak to us, to guide us into a new place of new blessing. God, I pray today that your promises would come alive in every home, in every person's life, that they would remember the promises you've made to them and they'd wrap their heart around those promises and move away from doubt and its influence and choose to follow you with all their hearts. God, help us to see beyond the battle, beyond the struggle. Let us see the victory and the spoils of war that lie on the other side. Inspire us by your promises in Jesus' name. For just one more moment, you might be listening to this today and you take this in and think, wow, wow, that, all of that's amazing, but I'm in no position to talk about God because I don't even know God. Can I tell you today, God loves you so much God believes in your future so much that he put his own son on a cross to pay for all of your mistakes in the past, to move everything out of the way that separated you from him. God paid the price to do that so you could accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as payment for your failures and walk into the presence of God and become one of his children. It all begins, this whole journey of faith begins accepting Jesus as your Savior making him the Lord of your life, beginning to learn his ways and his promises by faith to follow him. But it all starts with God knocking on the door of your heart 
You might be sensing that right now. Something inside of you is saying, I want this. That's the Spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart. The second part of this is, you've got to accept God. He extends grace to you. You respond with a hand of faith and saying, God, I want you in my life. I want to lead you in a prayer right now and give you an opportunity to say yes to God today. As I pray this prayer, just wrap your heart around these words and pray it with me. Let God begin to work in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you've called us to be your children. And today we embrace Jesus as our own personal Savior. We ask that Jesus would become the Lord of our lives. We believe he's the Son of God who died for our sins, was raised from the dead. From this moment forward, we will follow you. We will learn your ways. We will study your word. We will, we will learn what this new life of faith is all about. And we will spend the rest of our lives and eternity with you as your children. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you for calling us to yourself. From this moment forward, you are our Father. We are your children. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, that this is just the beginning of the journey. And we'd love to give you some material that will help you begin that journey with God. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. We can get it to you electronically. There are instructions on your screen right now that tell you how to respond to us so we can get that to you. Please follow those instructions. We simply want to help you start walking with God. God bless you today. I hope everybody has been encouraged today to look forward, not backward, to look beyond where we are and see a better future that God has for us lying just ahead. And today on this Memorial Day weekend, I just want to remind you that the Bridge Church continues to minister to people. Lives are being changed. People are coming to God. We're feeding a lot of people every Sunday through community care. Our missions program is going out all around the world, and that's because of faithful people like you. I'm amazed at your faithfulness in this season. And I want to say thank you. But more than that, I want you to know God sees our giving. and God blesses us. God honors us when we honor him. So thank you. There are different ways you can give. We're not begging for money. You choose to give however you want to give as God has blessed you. And I assure you, God knows everything going on in your life. Hey, we love you today. We appreciate you so much. Have a great Sunday. Thanks again for joining us today for Church Online at The Bridge. If you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time or you decided to rededicate your life, we want to help you begin your journey of faith. We have a free gift we want to give you called The Next 7 Days. It's a simple tool that will help you take your next steps. If you'd like to get it, just direct message us on Facebook or Instagram with the words Next 7. You can also click the link right there in the platform you are watching from. We will be happy to connect with you and get this gift to you. We are so glad you made this life-changing decision. So once again, happy Memorial Day weekend. We love you. We are praying for you. And we are believing for God's best in your life. We will see you soon.